Welcome to this month's installment of Brass Chats, brought to you by Monster Oil. What is this? 21 year? Hey everybody, welcome to Brass Chats once again. Today we're sitting down with the principal trumpet of the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Tom Hooten, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Tom, good to be here. So you are here with uh, L.A. Phil playing New York City, and you're doing Mahler's Third. How's it going? This is on part of your world tour. Yeah, good. We just finished about an hour and a half ago, and uh, it was kind of cool talking to the crew uh, here and where Phil used to play these offstage solos. It was a little nostalgic, I guess, but uh, yeah, it's great. And um, Dudamel's really great at Mahler, so... It was a lot of fun. What does the third symphony mean to you specifically, and how do you prepare for it, especially multiple times on a tour? Well, we've already done it four times in L.A. Um, actually, it's, this piece is pretty significant for me. When I first started taking trumpet lessons when I was a senior in high school, um, my trumpet teacher said, you got to get this recording, Mahler Three, Johnny Ware. And um, actually, I couldn't find the Johnny Ware recording, so I got the Phil Smith recording. I think it was 78 or something like that. And I've listened to it a billion times. Mm -hmm. um, it was, I fell in love with the idea of orchestra and Mahler. And so it was pretty pivotal for me, uh, probably the most significant orchestral recording I, I had as a, as a developing, starting out serious trumpet player. Mm -hmm. And how do you prepare for Mahler three? And, and do you do anything different in your preparation when you have to play it multiple times? No, I, I actually I try to make sure that I don't do anything different. Um, Except you know I, I you know I obviously look at the part and but I think there's nothing really crazy extreme in mm -hmm. that part so I try to just keep a very um, balanced routine um, and I, I'm playing it on a, a Yamaha cornet um, the post horn solo mm -hmm. so yeah I, I feel like it kind of fits in the realm of normal orchestral playing mm -hmm. um, so I don't I don't feel like I have to extend myself in any kind of technique or anything like that. So what so. is your normal routine? If you could walk us through your basic routine. I have a series of ideas that I want to do every day. Um, I just spent a little time with Hokan in Copenhagen. I, um, I know this is going to be public and I don't mind saying it. Um, just to keep the educational side of my life going and with trumpet, I flew over there just for the sole purpose of picking his brain. And mm -hmm. he's obviously incredible. Um, so I've been doing a little bit of stuff that he showed me. I think he got a little bit from Arturo, this particular warm-up. Um, so it's it's kind of like uh, a series of setup drills. Um, I'd like to compare it to an oboe player just fine-tuning their reed. Um, you know, so they'll pick a reed and they'll try and it doesn't work and they'll make tiny adjustments. And mm -hmm. that's kind of what the beginning of my playing day is. So it's like soft, kind of um, maybe Clark One type stuff. Mm -hmm. And then a decent amount of stamp. How much do you spend on that first part? How much um, I guess it depends on the day, but generally five minutes. Oh, okay. So, I mean, if it's not working well, I most likely won't go on. Okay. So if I, for some reason, if the day before I had a particularly unhealthy day of playing, it might take me longer. And I, the more time I spend to get that right, I really saves me in the end. Yeah. So I'll get that to where I'm doing like a P attack, mm -hmm. very nice soft flow on Clark one starting very low. Um, and I'll kind of do some expansion on that. And then uh, a couple other bending things and then stamp. And then I go through a series of ideas. The ideas will consist of all the ingredients needed to play Mahler and another couple modern pieces we would play. So like it would be everything from 
scales, arpeggios, double tongue, triple tongue, k-tongue, single tongue, um, slurs, and range, high, low, slow, stuff like that, piccolo. This is all from, from Hokan. No, no, that's that kind of goes into my idea. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so we we kind of spend most time on the setup stuff and stamp. Oh, okay. And then like specifics of solos and solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, How long does the whole routine take for you? It's it. I I don't think of it as a whole routine. I think of it as um, twenty to thirty mini segments. So is it, is it done every day? No. Oh, I see. Okay. The beginning part is done every day. Mm-hmm. But the other parts, um, I try to get over a two to three day rotation. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go back to your early days. Okay. And uh, one thing I like to really find out in these interviews is we interview all these great players. And I want to find out how they got good. I want to know what you did to get good. Okay. Um, so like I said before, I didn't start trumpet lessons until I was about a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And which was really bad um, because I played on a bad embouchure, I wasn't on my bottom teeth, and so I had a lot of stuff to work on. Um, so I make a Tala, he changed my embouchure, and uh, that started about a 10-year process um, of understanding how to work with it. Um, well, you obviously got pretty good in high school. I mean, you went to music school uh, as a trumpet student, right? Yeah, but for undergrad, I didn't, under, I didn't audition anywhere except the local college. Oh, I see. Um, so I had no idea. Uh, no idea, okay. I had no idea what being a performer was. And Didn't have your first lesson until your senior year in high school. Right. So what were you doing up and just playing in band and just... Yeah, like I thought I was going to be a band director. I was doing solo and ensemble on piano, clarinet, and sax, and trumpet, and... And that was another four years before you met Gitala. So yeah. there must have been a point in there at some point where you realized, well, I hey, maybe really, I want to be a performer. Well, I, yeah, I decided I want to be a performer uh, like my freshman year. And I, oh, and, I and I realized, oh my God. I'm really, really behind. Mm-hmm. I couldn't double tongue my freshman year in, in college. I, I oh just boy. didn't know. The summer before, I was like, tuck, hut. I just, nobody ever taught me. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have a lesson. Probably because I was maybe a late bloomer. I mentally, I don't know. Just, mm-hmm. um, just kind of naive. And, uh, so you started working your freshman year. You made a decision, I want to be a, a performer. And after you made that decision, you started working your tail off. My tail. I was the first car in the parking lot every single day I could wow. possibly be. Six o'clock. And I was just really flailing, lots of energy, just flailing at it. And, mm-hmm. um, and then Gitala was a bit of a turning point for you. Big time, you, yeah. And it was mainly embouchure stuff. Yeah, I, you know, some people would come up to me, and I know that a lot of young musicians can relate to this. You know, they say, blow, you know, push air through the instrument. And I just intuitively knew, if I do that, this is not going to work well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fall off, or it's going to blow me apart, or I'm just barely holding it together. And so... Yeah, so once I did the embouchure change, I started to get a little bit more of a, an ability to capture the energy of the air in a more efficient way. Could you talk specifically? I know a lot of our viewers like to hear about this stuff, specifically mm-hmm. about the uh, the tenets of the embouchure that, that he preached and that you also had success with. Well, you know, Gatala, I mean, he, he did say to me for the first week, close your teeth, say M gently, put the mouthpiece, breathe in your nose and blow. Mm-hmm. And that was really super awkward. And I don't think that's how I play. But he, he talked about there sort of being like four pillars of support that you have to make sure that there's like kind of a foundation on the, the teeth mm-hmm. so that you don't have any caving in. That was a big thing for him. And he talked a lot about rolling in. Yeah. Um, and it's, it might be hard to explain and, and see on the camera, but you know, if, if you look at your finger, if you put your fingers together 
and the the cushion part of my fingers is kind of like the red of my lip mm -hmm. and the nail is the white of my lip if you kind of play like this and you put a mouthpiece up the mouthpiece wants to spread it apart yeah but the second that I go just a little bit like this now the mouthpiece wants to hold it together to some degree uh, yeah and so he talked a little bit well he talked a lot about that idea of, of rolled in and um, but it is a long, I still mess around with this. And these were the concepts that really sprung you into having serious success on the trumpet, the, the ones you were just describing. Well, from a complete function standpoint. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a whole other, I think, right. aspect of, of working hard and, and asking lots of questions uh, of yourself and of people that are better than you and just sure. really being open-minded um, to what speaks to an audience. I think that's really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Your audience could be a committee, your audience could be anybody. Yeah. But what is the language that's gonna move them and yeah. inspire them so they're like, I don't know why, but I really like this. You know. How many hours a day were you putting in at the time uh, during these years, generally? Uh, was it well, massive well, amounts? Or well, when I did the armature change, I was trying to do as little as 10, 15 minute segments like every hour or two just because I didn't want to work on endurance of something that I wasn't sure was right yet. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean... you six hour days, two, three hour days? I mean there's... I kind of just was, it was like my varied. whole, it was my whole, everything revolved around it. Oh I see, so you, you just kind of never stopped. Yeah I mean people would ask, well how did you like Houston when you were in Rice? I'm like, I, I can't tell you, I don't, Yeah. I, I was just really practicing and and then balancing it with like racquetball or eating, and then it was like sleeping, and it was like, <laughs> other than that, you know, it was kind of, but the, I think the other thing that's important to say is that, and I think it's probably the most important thing, is that it never really crossed my mind that I was just gonna quit. Mm -hmm. It was like, this is a trumpet, these are lips, there's air, I have teeth, I have fingers, I, I'm just gonna figure this out. Yeah, I, you know, and if it if I keep banging my head against the walls, like, well, I'm gonna try this way now, and I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna try that way, and then eventually you start to gain perspective, mm -hmm. you know, through recording yourself, through taking lessons, through, um, just again inviting the idea of that criticism and being wrong. I think it's okay. One thing yeah. I've noticed through a lot of these interviews is that a lot of successful trumpet players that we've interviewed have really kind of been self taught to an extent and self-driven mm -hmm. certainly but self-taught to an extent and a lot of them these people we talk about that when they teach they like well our best students I mean they kind of almost teach themselves we steer yeah. them in the right direction uh, do you feel like you're kind of the same way yeah I mean in funny way and I love Gatala like he was a grandfather I mean sure. I, I owe him so much but many many times he would give me something and the next week I'd be worse and yeah. he would sometimes say Tom what the hell are you doing <laughs> you'd be frustrated you know and and I think what he taught me was like, he didn't have all the right answers. In fact, one of the hardest things I ever heard from him was nine months after I did the embouchure change. I'll never forget this. It was like in November. I was having a lesson close to the Christmas break. And he said, Tom, I don't think we're doing the right thing. And I was like, oh. and I'd lost it. I completely hit rock bottom. I was like, oh boy, you gotta be kidding me. Like seriously, I, and then that was when it like, Turn the camera turned back on me. It's like you are going to have to figure this out yeah. and start 
trusting some instincts and making your own judgment and continue with the new information that I have. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think eventually, that's one of the things I think students, I've noticed a lot in students is that they're reluctant to just admit they don't know. Mm -hmm. Just say you don't know, ask a question, and you're going to be in a much better place to learn rather yeah. than like trying to come to a lesson prepared, sounding as best you possibly can. I don't know if I really want to hear that. Yeah. I kind of want to hear your day-to-day -day struggles mm -hmm. rather than you sort of extending yourself to one little solo. Mm -hmm. And then you show me that, and that's not really you. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I think that's... Let's talk about auditions for a second, okay. if we could. Yeah. Um, you've won a number of auditions for the uh, Richmond Symphony, mm -hmm. for the Marine Band. Uh, I think it was 2000 that you joined the Marine Band. It was your first, yeah, exactly. first uh, big job. Uh, then there was Richmond, then Indianapolis Symphony, and then you won, I believe, Atlanta Symphony Principal Trumpet and Houston Symphony Principal Trumpet, right. and elected to take Atlanta. Right. And then you won the Los Angeles Philharmonic. So you've won a number of auditions across very different orchestras and military audition. Um, what do you ascribe to your success at auditioning? Uh, it, one of the things it comes down to being completely honest with your preparation. I think that actually turns into confidence and one of the backbones of managing your nerves. I mean, just follow that through. Imagine somebody that knows they have a low register and they don't truly address it. They just work on like everything else, but even though it's a weakness and then it's going to erode at their confidence in everything in an audition. Mm -hmm. So trying to be really honest uh, with yourself. Um, but I think also I just was really thorough. I mean, I just put it all on the table. Here are the excerpts. What do I need to play these? I always use the analogy of like a meal. The excerpt list is a meal. What are all the ingredients that I need to make this meal? And I'm going to, I'm going to try to, acquire the best ingredients and then I can make that meal I can make 20 other type of meals from mm -hmm. all those ingredients and I think recording yourself recording myself working on all those components I talked about like let's say some of the excerpts I give people trouble like um, let's say Muller 5 starting I would say most people get a little bit like heebie-jeebies like it's piano it's low it's a, you know kind of an awkward note well how often do people just say, I'm going to work on low, soft articulations, or not just articulations, starting the note, stop. Mm -hmm. And kind of like if you read that book, uh, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. Oh, I haven't read that, okay. Um, you know, it talks about like the, pre the, the setup, mm -hmm. you know, and like getting into like a, a zone to where you can, um, uh, you know, get your mind and your imagination in the right place. So, I mean, it's probably too much to talk about, but I, I created a structure for success that I knew I needed. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's, you know, everybody's going to have to do that. Everybody's going to have to realize yeah. what, how the, what's their success in terms of under pressure. You know, yeah. I, I know Chris Martin, he, he wants to listen to something that's going to get him totally amped up. Mm-hmm. Me, I like to listen to Glenn Gould, like before. It's like, it's rhythmical, it's clean, it's sort of pure, you know, because it's just a piano. 
and that gets me sort of focused. But everybody's different. So I think that's my problem. I've been watching Mark Gould videos instead of or listening to him before. I <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, two it's different just, Goulds. It's, it's the wrong thing, I guess. <laughs> now you've been on the other side of the screen as well. You've listened to many, many auditions mm -hmm. over the years. Um, what are the biggest misconceptions or, or mistakes that auditioners? What are the biggest mistakes auditioners tend to make? You think? It sounds so simplistic, but we usually can know within 10 to 20 seconds if it's somebody we want to hear more of. And how do we know that so quickly? From two super simple things. It's crazy how simple it is. How easy does the sound happen? Which usually, if it's really easy, it's a beautiful sound. Mm -hmm. And is it in tune? I mean, you hear pictures, bum, bum, bee. If I hear that fourth and it's like wackadoo or like you don't hit the note smoothly, well, game over. Mm -hmm. I mean, so don't worry about the high note in Bartok Concerto or like the high note in Magnificat. Like, Sound production. Like, yeah, like true, honest, like can you take a breath, make a sound when you want to at varying dynamics <laughs> with ease? And then can you do two or three, four or five notes in a row in tune? Yeah. I mean, just start there. Mm -hmm. You know, like, because we, we're in this hall that usually is resonant and notes ring. And we, tr you know, we, we aspire to play as in tune as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you can't do that in the first round, I mean, it doesn't matter if you can play a triple G or it doesn't matter <laughs> if you can play super, super loud. It kind of matters if you can play a triple G, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess in the right context, you know, if, yeah, if you're, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just I know. Kidding. But you know what I'm saying. I do, so absolutely, yeah. It, maybe people don't think that that carries enough weight, but it, but it does. Yeah. I mean, I would rather hear somebody play really in tune with a really good sound, and maybe they have a slightly weaker, I mean, when I got in the Marine Band, I barely, barely could play a high concert B flat on my C trumpet. Hmm. I just done an Amisha change like 12, 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. And so, but I did have things like I could play in time, I could play with a good start to the note, and I had musicality, and it was pretty in tune. Yeah. Now, I did not, for sure. There's no way you could have put a gun to my head and said, we need to hear concert E flat above high C. I just could not have done it. 100% mm. sure of that. Wow. So, yeah, it's not fun and exciting and like, you know, rip-roaring trumpet, yeah. you know, sort of whatever you want to, like jock type stuff, but it's... Yeah, simple stuff, yeah. Simple stuff, yeah. What's on your stand right now? The Gillingham Concerto for ITG and the Artunian. I'm playing that with uh, an orchestra coming up. Oh, cool. So. As far as uh, teaching goes, what methods and, and books and so forth have you found the most success with students? It really depends on the student. Oh, okay. But there's absolutely, um, but there's several books I like. I, of course, I love the stand book. I'm learning more and more about how to apply that. Um, and I love the Vizzuti book, Vizzuti yeah. book one. I love that book. Mm -hmm. It's because, again, going back to the idea of simplicity, if you go back to the book and look at triple tonguing, it's not that complicated. Mm -hmm. You have... And I use that one kind of like the Conan the Barbarian, like working out on the circular thing. You know, it's like, you, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't. I don't remember Conan. Oh, you know, come back on. I'll have to go back and watch it. No, but he, the, the funny, stupid premise of the movie is that, like, he was a slave behind this, like, one grinding wheel. 
and he was there for like 12 years and oh, all of okay. a sudden he turned into this like muscle bound guy. No, but I use like some simple one technique of, of Vizuti, this one mm -hmm. triple tongue. It's like I use that for every triple tonguing thing I ever needed to do, oh, yeah. essentially, you know. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I like that, but I, I, I think it depends on the student. Yeah, sure. Well, which books did you have the most success with when you were a student? Um, Arbin, Vizuti, Stamp, and you know, then there were like extended techniques of like transposition, Bodoni, and lyrical Conconi, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Okay. A lot of Conconi. I think it's time to move on to the round, the monster round. Um, are you familiar with the monster round? Uh, I'm a little have, scared. Do you know what you're up against? No. Do you know what's involved with the monster I round? I forgot. No. Okay. Should, should I tell him? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, it's, uh, it's a series of rapid-fire questions, and uh, I fire them off, and you answer the first thing that comes to your mind as quickly as possible. Donald Trump. Some people take this really seriously and go really quickly. Some people take their time, but, you know, as quickly as you're comfortable with. So uh, we'll start off with, a, with an easy one. You ready? Okay. Favorite river? Hillsboro. What equipment do you play? Trumpet. Favorite highway exit? 69. <laughs> Least useful note on the trumpet? Uh, um, F, shoot, uh, F sharp. That's way too long. Uh, Go-to <laughs> go snack at the gas station? Doritos. Best rock tune to play on the trumpet? Oh, God. Um, staying Alive. I don't know. It's, it's a disco tune. Uh, dream Grill, besides your wife? Dream Girl? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought you said Grill. No. Um, dream girl. Oh man, uh, old school would be Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Weber, right? New would be um, Jennifer Aniston. She's pretty. It's classic. She's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh man, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Dream girl. Well, you already said it, didn't you? Yeah, sure. Let's stick with that. Okay. Worst frack of all time. Okay, I was in Indianapolis Symphony playing the end of Cuban Overture. That's frack. Concert C in front of 14,000 people <laughs> instead of the concert D. Oh, Worst public humiliating frack oh, ever. Love or truth? Truth. Favorite orchestral recording? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the um, I'm gonna go with the Bernstein Phil Smith Muller three. Would you rather live in a shack on 100 acres or a mansion on a tenth of an acre? Shack. Most influential person outside of music. Let's see, Tony Robbins. Trumpet player you would drop everything to hear right now. Hogan. Best book you've read in the last year. The China Study. Ooh, I don't know that one. Favorite place to play the trumpet? Um, Disney Concert Hall. Would you rather be the mayor or the CEO? CEO. Who was the best conductor you've ever played for, excluding your music directors? Thank you. Um, I'm going to say, oh man, there's so many. Uh, Again, top Bishkoff. Bishkoff. What's the best advice you've ever been given? If you give it everything you got and you miss, you can't be mad at yourself. If you play it safe and you frack, then you, then you really disservice your, you, who, you did yourself a disservice. Who gave you that? Bryce Andrus, Principal Horn of Atlanta. Oh, boy. Uh, which orchestral work that you've never played would you most like to play? Mahler 7. If you could trade places with anybody for a day, who would it be? Donald, no. Um, 
Were you going to say Donald, Donald Trump? <laughs> no, not for, not for a I second. I think you already said we have that on tape, right? For, okay, good. Next, favorite Next. lead favorite lead player. Lead player Wayne O. Favorite? Sure. Uh, who's your favorite monster for Monster Oil? Um, I'm gonna have to go with Tom. Uh, what's the best band in the world? Is it the U.S. Coast Guard Band or one of the other ones? The United States Coast Guard Band is the greatest band in the history of man and will remain so until the end of time. So if, if you could ask Socrates one question, what would it be? Um, what's the meaning of life? I want to hear what he what's his idea. He didn't, he didn't speak English, Tom. Next question. <laughs> what's the favorite piece you like to play for your son? Favorite piece? Um, he... He loves the drums, so we play Boom Boom G. Nice. Tom Hooten, thanks so much for your yeah. time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that was it. fun. Yeah.